In Matthew 4:19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello and welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm Mark Danzi, your host today, and uh, we're really glad that you joined us. Normally, this podcast is us interviewing somebody who is a disciple maker and has a lot of experience uh, around investing in the lives of others, uh, spiritually and and to help them grow in spiritual maturity and just discern life and God's will for their life. But today I'm going to talk directly to you, and I'm going to talk about this concept called a long obedience. Now, I love to snow ski. I haven't done it in a long time because my knees are getting bad, but I used to take uh, youth pastors uh, out west, out to Colorado, uh, skiing every uh, winter. And I'd take four, five, six, we'd invite them out and we'd do like a little youth ministry summit and while we were between skiing at lunch and dinner and things, we would talk about best practices in youth ministry and encourage each other. It was really a good time, but I noticed something that was happening over the years. We would always take a group picture, right? Because anytime you go anywhere with a group, I mean, you got to take a group picture. And I would take those group pictures, and over the years, I'd just collect them. And I noticed that <laughs> over the years, many of these individuals who had been in ministry were no longer in ministry. Now, I'm not going to say it was the ski trip that did that, of course, but it just began to tell me um, and paint a simple picture for me of what burnout looks like in the Christian faith. So today I want to really talk about that subject, burnout, and then also how to avoid it. It's not necessary. There, Jesus didn't call us into this work to watch us burn out. He also didn't call us into this work to rust out. But there is a way for this thing to work out, and that's what this podcast is about this morning. So if you've ever experienced burnout, in, if you're in ministry or in just your, maybe you're teaching Sunday school or discipleship or whatever it is, and you just feel like, oh my Lord, I need a break, well, you are in the right place. The folks at Soul Shepherding uh, put out some ministry stats, and I just want to kind of overwhelm you with this for a minute. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not going to stay here, but... These are kind of sobering, and uh, let me just read a few of them for you. I, I can't read them all, but um, they said that 90% of, this is about ministry burnout, 90% of ministers say they work between 55 to 75 hours per week. Well, you know, a lot of industries do that, and so you may say that's not a big deal. But 70% of them said that they are grossly undercompensated. report a serious conflict with a member of their church at least once a month. 78% were forced to resign from their church, most commonly because of some church conflict. And and it gets better. Listen to this. 80% will not be in ministry 10 years later. Did you hear that? 80% of ministers will not be in ministry 10 years later, and only a fraction actually make it a lifelong career. I bet if you tried to count on one hand, uh, you may could do it on one hand, the number of people that you know who went into ministry early or young in their life and finished well. It's very rare, statistically. Uh, as a matter of fact, on average, uh, of seminary-trained pastors, they last... Uh, 
80% last only five years in church ministry. A couple more for you. 100% of uh, uh, over 1,050 Reformed and Evangelical pastors say they had a colleague who left the ministry because of burnout, church conflict, or moral failure. What's the picture that's being painted here? Well, of course, ministry is hard. (laughs) It's hard for those who are paid to do it, and it's hard for those who volunteer to do it. It's just the nature of it. It's very difficult. 70% of pastors say that they have a lower self-esteem now than when they entered the ministry. 80% believe that pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families, and 33% said it has been an outright hazard. Over 77% say that they just don't have a good marriage. And 91% have experienced some form of burnout in ministry. And 18% of that 91 say that they are fried to a crisp right now. Well, I didn't mean to depress you off the bat by giving you all that, but I am trying to paint a very clear picture for us this morning that serving Jesus is not for sissies. It's hard work, and the stats bear it out. Now, whether you're a paid clergy person or whether you're seminary trained or whether you're just trying to live out the Great Commission as a lifestyle, it takes patience and endurance to be a generational disciple maker. Now, some of the reasons that um, this podcast exists is to help you stay the course. I mean, think about it. Staying the course over a long period of time will bear fruit. And Jesus said in John 15 that he's going to be looking for those who bear fruit that will what? Fruit that will last. Right. And so there's a lot that's been written on this subject, but I want to give you just a few ideas this morning here, this afternoon, whatever time you're listening, to, for you to stay the course with joy and to avoid burnout as a disciple maker. Now, I don't know if you have a favorite author. I do. I have several, actually. If it's about history, man, you got to read David McCullough. His stuff leaps off the page and right into your heart. If it's about um, sports, I love Rick Riley. He makes me laugh. But if it's about spirituality and faith, there's just so many. But one that always rises to the top for me is Eugene Peterson. Now, Eugene Peterson was one uh, who uh, rewrote the Bible, so to speak, a version of it called um, The Message. And I like to read it for perspective. And I wanted to uh, not only just uh, share with you that the, the message, if you're looking for a good Bible um, version to just to just read and get some different perspective, but he's written a lot of commentary books over the years too. Um, Run with the horses is a commentary by Jer- on Jeremiah that's you'll never read Jeremiah the same. But one of the books that he wrote that has always intrigued me is uh, entitled "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction." Let me say that again: "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction." It's really a commentary on the songs of ascent, which are found in in the Psalms, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But he takes this title from a quote from Frederick Nietzsche. And I want to share with you a quote from the book. And he says here that there is a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship 
in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. He goes on to say that religion in our time has been captured by the tourist mindset. Religion is understood as a visit to an attractive site to be made when we have adequate leisure. In other words, what I receive from this quote from Peterson in the book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, is that he's saying that true Christian faith, true ministry, takes time and commitment. It's a long apprenticeship. Now, he grabbed this from uh, the German philosopher of the 19th century, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, who wrote uh, extensively on religion and philosophy and, sci- and science. And early in his life, he abandoned faith altogether, though, and saying that, hence the ways of men part. If you wish to strive for peace of soul and pleasure, well, then believe. But if you wish to be a devotee of truth, then inquire. Well, I don't know if you're a fan of Nietzsche or not, and some are, some are not. But um, recently I was, I was looking at this tweet from Justin Taylor, and he, he said in here that science takes things apart to see how they work, but religion puts them back together to see what they mean. And so Nietzsche, of course, was more about science than about faith, but he did write this in his uh, works called Beyond Good and Evil. He said this, The essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results, and has always resulted in the long run, something which has made life worth living. Isn't that a pretty good quote (laughs) by Nietzsche? I mean, his point is that, that the only meaning in life is to find a standard and stick to it. A wildly unpopular idea in our culture, uh, where moral relativism is actually a king. And so Nietzsche is, is on to something here. And, and the same thing we see from Solomon in the Old Testament. You know, the king of Israel that wrote uh, Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and Song of Solomon. He discovered that a long obedience is the ultimate calling of our lives. Uh, in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14, uh, he basically uh, said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, let me sum up what I know. And it's this, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so after all the money and the power and the fame and the opulence that King Solomon had, he ends his autobiography with a curiously simple little message here. He says, simple fearing God and keeping his commandments, this is the meaning of life. I mean, it sounds a lot like Nietzsche, doesn't it? In the quote, he had a long obedience in the same direction. Well, we see it in the Gospels too, don't we? Jesus affirms this when he says, uh, with the fear of God uh, and the two commandments from which the law, uh, entire moral law flows. Jesus said, uh, the first of all the commandments, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandments than these. 
So when you look at Peterson's comments on things and you go back to my ski pictures and you think through the stats of burnout today, you listen to Nietzsche and then you even go to Solomon and Jesus, what do we come up with? We come up with the discipleship that we're talking about here on this podcast is investing in the long-term growth of others. Now, I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, Mark, you know, I'm just kind of tired of this. I've been doing, I've been leading a group of disciples for a while and, you know, I've been uh, holding them accountable and I'm trying to grow myself and my job and my family. And, you know, I just think I want to just take some time off or just quit or just go back to what I used to be doing, which was just kind of go to church and read my Bible some and try to be nice. (laughs) But that's not what discipleship is. Discipleship is a long-term investment in others for growth. And if we go to Galatians uh, chapter 6 today here, verses 4 through 9, I want to read it to you, but I want to read it to you in Eugene Peterson's version, The Message. You've probably read it in other translations, and you're more familiar with it than you'll be from this one. But, But just let this kind of wash over you here. This is Paul in Galatians 6, uh, verses 4 through 9, and he says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Verse 6. Be very sure now you have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things you have and experience. Verse 7. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, or ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Let me read verse 9 to you again. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, he will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. This passage of scripture has so many nutrients in it for our spiritual growth today. The don't give up, Don't settle for less. Do the best you can do with what you have. Uh, Sink yourself into the work. Take responsibility. Be creative. Don't get arrogant. Don't get depressed. Just stay the course. In other words, Paul's saying here, decide to disciple for life. Staying the course. Discipling for life. This is the key to generational growth or multiplication. Go back to the quote we talked about earlier that said that many of us in Christian faith have a tourist mindset. It's something that we will visit, you know, if we feel like it. 
But that's not the gospel. That's not the call that Jesus has placed on all of our hearts. When we received salvation, we were saved from something, and we were saved for something. And the for here is to invest not in our own life, but also invest in the lives of others for the long haul, a long obedience in the same direction. So what if you're struggling with burnout? You say, Mark, I hear you, man. (laughs) It doesn't make me less tired, though. Well, let me give you a few things I've learned, and I'm still learning, that just may help. Stay the course. Number one, plan the work and then work the plan. Now, when you think about this, if you were to lay out uh, a plan for the people that you're discipling, let's say uh, you're going to be with them for three one-year commitments, okay? Now, I know that sounds like a long time. That's why I don't tell people, hey, you want to join my group? It's going to be three years long. No, it's, it's one year long, but we're going to do that three years in a row. And you can decide to stay in or go out or leave. But typically, I have a three-year plan in mind. Now, plan the work. It's either organize or agonize. Folks who approach their discipleship groups weekly and are struggling and are agonizing over this, it's typically because they don't have a plan. Other folks who plan to the nth degree uh, sometimes abandon the plan, and so they don't work the plan. So the key here is, number one, plan the work and then work the plan. Now, You can call audibles along the way. In other words, you can decide to take a different direction one evening, or you can cut off half the group to hear someone's heart as they're going through a difficulty in life. Of course, you can be flexible, but only if you have a plan can you be flexible. Otherwise, it's going to be emotionally exhausting for you. So take the time to discern and decide what it is you would do with a group of people if you had them for three one-year commitments. And then stick to the plan. Number two, just show up. Look, our job is to provide a process and a place for the Holy Spirit to do the work that the Holy Spirit can do in the heart. Jesus promised us we're not the ones making the disciples. He makes the disciples. We just provide the atmosphere and the structure and the process for it to happen. So don't worry about it. When, the, when your group is showing up and you might feel like you got nothing for them, well, that's usually a good place to be because you're not going to be stepping into what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in their life. So just show up. Jim Rayburn used to say that 90% of success is just showing up. Number three, take breaks. You know, with my groups uh, that I've been leading over the years, I always take the month of December off. Sometimes pretty much Thanksgiving till January. Why? Because we need to take breaks along the way. It doesn't mean that we're not being spiritual or growing. Absolutely not. I usually give a book for us to read over the breaks and, uh, or in articles or white papers. But you've got to take a break. And in the summers too. We typically take off uh, end of May and come back in late August. Why? Well, if you don't, then there's nothing really to look forward to for your people. And so I have had groups over the years, maybe especially in the first year, they did not understand why we were going to take the summer off. And you know, you hear things like this. Well, Jesus didn't take the summer off. Well, <laughs> well, 
Now, we're not either. We're just not going to be meeting. Uh, we're not taking the summer off of our faith. And so I'll subscribe a book or some assignments for people to do on their own uh, over the summer. But even when my groups have said, well, we want to keep meeting, I will typically say, well, you can keep meeting, but I'm not going to. Why? Because it gives you a break. It gives you the ability to catch your breath, to focus on what the next phase of your disciple making is going to look like. And it's just smart. So many times folks who feel burned out in disciple making, it's because they don't know how to take a break. Number four, feed your own soul. You know, what happens to ministers and the reason they burn out and what happens to disciple makers and the reason they burn out is they begin to read articles or scriptures and they begin to see how I could use this in the lives of other people and not in their own life. So I would say that one of the things you need to really consider doing is how do you feed your own soul? If your soul is not strengthened, you're not going to be able to strengthen others. And so not every song or, or article or book is for you to share with your group. Sometimes it's just for you. Five, keep the long run in mind. Look, discipleship doesn't happen in a year. I wish it did. Man, wouldn't that be great? You know, like 90 days, just add water and boom, there's a disciple. No, doesn't work that way. Didn't work for Jesus. I don't know why we think we can do it quicker than him, like we're better or more efficient. <laughs> no, he spent three years uh, with these disciples. He invested in them and, and spent a lot of time with them over the three years to get them ready so that when he left, they were ready to go. Well, it just takes time. It probably takes us even more time than it took Jesus. And so if you think about, look, I'm going to be a disciple maker until I can't breathe or walk. I mean, I'm going to keep the long run in mind and I'm going to just stay the course. I'm going to be a product of a long obedience in the same direction. And if you will do that, it takes the, the, the as one author said, the tyranny of the urgent off the plate. We got to hurry up and get these people ready. We got to hurry up and do this. No, no, no. Keep the long run in mind. You know, if you have people in your group, I, I have who just don't seem to be getting it or into it like they were. Don't worry. Just stay the course. Stay committed to them. The timing is up to God. You know, I was uh, listening to a book um, called Work at Wisdom this week, and I really like this quote in there. He said, um, he said, instead of retire, rewire. Retire is from the Latin, and the word literally means to ride off into isolation. Now think about that. <laughs> Many of us are... Um, looking forward to retirement and we're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. But the origin of the word really is to ride off into isolation. In other words, meaninglessness. That's not what I read when I read the Great Commission. Hey, I'm going to spend the last 20 years of my life doing nothing for you, Lord. No. I mean, John Piper in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, wrote this kind of allegory. And I thought it was actually, it hurt my feelings when I read it. <laughs> But he said, you know, can you imagine a couple who decides after serving the Lord and serving their family and working that in their retirement years, they're just going to go off to a place where they don't know anybody and they're going to walk on the beach every day and collect shells. And he says, you know, can you imagine them standing before the Lord one day and they get there 
and they give an account for their life and they go, hey, Lord, look what we did with our best years, our wisest, most sage years. Look at all these shells we collected for you. (laughs) Piper says that is a waste of a life. Why would you spend your 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 latest, greatest years not imparting your wisdom and your determination and your your spirituality, uh, your life experience into the lives of others? So it's a matter of don't retire, rewire. Think through what we've talked about today on this podcast and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to know right now about the way you've called me to make disciples? I have a feeling that somewhere in here, somewhere, something the Lord has just for you. I'll leave you with this thought. A few years ago, I decided I didn't want to see my neighbor's house in my backyard anymore. And so I was told that bamboo was a good thing to plant. Now, if you have half of a green thumb, you're cringing right now. I know. (laughs) You're like, don't plant bamboo. It goes crazy. Well, not at first. So I went to the local uh, nursery here and I bought these little pots, these little one gallon pots of some bamboos about waist high. And I planted it in my backyard. Folks, it did nothing. All right. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't have a green thumb. The stuff just sat there for like two or three years and hardly grew at all. I was so disappointed and I kept reading. They said, well, it takes time, but you know, I didn't want it to take time. I wanted it to be now. Well, I can tell you that after three years, miraculously, this stuff has grown almost out of control. Wild. It's, it's, it's 20 feet tall. It's spanned over about 40 feet now. And I'm telling you, the stuff is starting to take over my yard. And there's a metaphor in that for us. Is that bamboo, once you plant it, it takes about three years for it to actually start showing significant growth. And when it starts, watch out. This stuff is going nuts. I might want you to come over and help me cut some of it out. It's the same way with disciple making on a generational scale. It may be that you've been praying and you've been pouring into a few folks for a few years and you're thinking, Lord, this is not working. They're only one foot tall here and are hardly even growing at all. But you just wait. There are things happening under that soil that you cannot see right now. So don't give up on it. Nurture, feed, invest your life, and live a life of a long obedience in the same direction. Hey, thanks for listening today. I'm Mark Danzi, your host. And if you uh, want more information, go to 419disciplemakers.org. Lots of videos and resources there for you. Invite somebody into this podcast next week. Uh, We're going to get back on track with uh, interviewing some guests and give us your feedback. And if you know of a great story or someone that would be uh, worth um, uh, coming on and and us hearing what what they've been doing and what God's doing in their life, we would love to know them too. So have a wonderful day and continue this long obedience in the same direction. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.